So Lauren made a point to make this comment to me. She said, only God would give you the day to preach that it's the coldest day of the year. So if any of those know me, I literally cannot stand heat. So this is like an Iowa spring for me. Like this is, this is homeland. No, I'll be honest, it's pretty cold. I'm actually pretty cold. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. Um, hey, I am extremely grateful this morning to have the opportunity to share the word that God has laid on my heart. Um, I'm really grateful for Pastor Charlie giving me this opportunity. Him and Will are actually taking some time away this week, so they will be back next Sunday. Uh, but I'm extremely grateful to have the opportunity to, to share the word with you today. And uh, I believe God's going to do something special. I really do. I believe the Lord has something special in store for us. I uh, want to say happy Valentine's Day to each and every one of you, especially my lovely wife, Lauren. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. Um, hey, if you're married or you're in a relationship, I hope that you guys take the time to appreciate, love, and serve one another today. If you're not in a relationship, I hope you know I care about you and you are so loved today. I'm so grateful you're here, and I hope on Valentine's Day you feel love and appreciation. So opening up, one of my favorite things about Valentine's Day and myself in general, if you know me, is I love cheesy things. Uh, I love puns. I love anything around that sort. And I feel like you can really ham it up on Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? Like um, one of my favorite pickup lines, and I'm sure I've used it on Lauren multiple times, is, uh, honey, are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. All right, sorry. That's the only one I'll do for you. But in Valentine's Day, you know, you have the, the cheesy little hearts that say, like, the be mine, and you walk up to someone, you give them to them, and you're like, this is gross candy, <laughs> and all the other things. But you invest in it. It's so cheesy. And uh, one of my favorite things correlated with Valentine's Day, of course, is the, the mega cheesy commercials. You guys know what I'm talking about. The husband bursts through the door. He's got a diamond bracelet from Tiffany. He walks up to his wife and she goes, how did you know that's what I wanted? And it's like, come on, man, it's a diamond bracelet. We all knew you wanted it. But the cheesiness of the commercial is this correlation where if the husband or the boyfriend bought the correct gift, spent the right amount of money, there's going to be an amount of love reciprocated back to him because he spent this amount of money on the person. But let me paint a different scenario for you. Let's say in a commercial like this we're watching and we see this husband or wife purchase this immaculate gift. And this gift is so wonderful and they present it to the person and they're really appreciative for it at first, but they go off directly after and they are faithless to the partner who just provided it for them. But at the end of the commercial, they're like, oh, isn't that true love? You know what I mean? Where the partner would actually reject the person and the commercial would say, that's beautiful love, that's amazing. Well, no, because that doesn't make sense, does it? By our worldly standards, we see something like that and we're like, how does that make sense that that's beautiful love, that this guy would invest this beautiful, beautiful, immaculate gift, give it towards their partner, and they would take it but reject the person. They would be faithless to the person. That, that doesn't make sense by worldly standards, right? But I want to tell you today that actually our perfect example of love, God, actually chose to and continues to reveal that very love to us on a daily basis, not the rejecting one. Okay, hear me out here, not the one who's faithless. But he is actually faithful and revealing this faithful love to us and others in the midst of us being unfaithful to him. 
And that is actually a beautiful love that he chooses to show us. So I want to pray, and let's go to the text and see how God shows this faithful, beautiful love in the midst of us sometimes being unfaithful to him. Let's go to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for your graciousness, for your faithfulness, God. We pray, Lord, that as we read your text, that you would open our eyes and see what you're trying to speak to us today, God. We pray to have receptive hearts. We pray to have good attitudes. And we pray, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would be in this place. Teach us and lead us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy today, and we're going to be in chapter 2. So if you guys want to open up your Bibles and get there, I'm going to give you a little bit of some background So Paul in this letter in 2 Timothy is nearing the end of his life. This is one of the last things Paul is getting the opportunity to write. It's coming time for him to wrap up his journey on earth. And it's noticed, it's addressed to Timothy. So last week we actually had the opportunity by Pastor Charlie to hear a little bit about Timothy and Epaphroditus and the life and the example that they invested in, their character and... um, we know trying to be like Timothy, we, we heard a lot about him, but if you know Timothy and Paul's relationship, it's this spiritual father and spiritual son type relationship. And what that means is there's a lot of endearment and a lot of care from Paul for this spiritual son. He's really invested in him. He's loved him well. He's trained him. He's given him wisdom and insight for his ministry. He's, he's been the go-to guy. He's been the mentor. He's discipled him. He's really invested in him. So if Paul is writing this letter towards this spiritual son of his and he's knowing he's nearing the end of his life, then obviously it's going to have a lot of weight for Timothy to read. He knows there's going to be a lot of things in here that have a large weight for Timothy to understand. So as we read this, understand Paul's word to Timothy is one that he obviously very much so cares about, knowing it could be one of the last for him. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, Paul says, Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So I actually want to open up today with verses 11 through 13 and work through that, and we're going to kind of work our way backward today through the text. So as you read that text, 11 through 13 especially, you notice It takes us from comforting part of Scripture to uncomfortable part of Scripture, and then back to comforting part of Scripture again. And I think for many of us, we can make a correlation with, if we die with him, we live with him. I think many of us can understand that, where if we die with Christ, we've we've decided, I'm setting off my old way of life. The things I used to do, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives within me. I've given my life to him. He has the authority now. And because I've died... I now have new life in Christ, so we live with him. Like, many of us can understand that part, right? But we come upon this part here that can seem a little bit challenging, and I'll read it. If we endure hardship, we reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, 
he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And if you notice in the text, there's this sort of action by man, reaction by God. We do something, there's a response to that something. So if we read, if we endure hardship, we reign. If we endure hardship, we reign. But here's where it feels a little bit strange for me. When I initially read this text, I was like, okay, God, what what are you trying to say? If we deny him, he denies us. But yet, if we are unfaithful, he is faithful. See, I, I feel like if we're reading this text point blank, our initial response can be, wasn't that just a contrast, Lord? If, if I deny you, you deny me, but if I'm unfaithful, you're faithful. Like, wouldn't we tie those two things together? It can feel a little bit hard to reconcile that because we don't exactly know at first what's trying to be said. But I love how Dr. Ray Van Nest, a theologian, actually puts this. He says, verse 13 is a reminder of God's persevering power and faithfulness. In this context, to deny him envisions a more serious offense than being faithless. So to deny him envisions apostasy, whereas faithless refers to a lapse in trust. So to explain a little bit what that means, what is apostasy, Nick? What he's saying here is to deny God would actually be the element of saying, I'm no longer following you, Lord. I am no longer choosing to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not believing in you anymore. So this act of denying, we know scripture obviously gives us multiple times where if you deny me, I deny you. It it gives us this multiple times, but that's not necessarily what's being encompassed here where we think I make a mistake and God, you deny me. It's, It's this is complete rejection of Jesus Christ. This is what he's referring to. If we deny him, he will deny us. So that's essentially what apostasy means. But today, the the focus I really want to put on is the faithless part, this faithless part. And I want to go further. I think you could even say further, faithlessness is more than just a lapse in trust. Um, You could at times say faithless is maybe distancing yourself from God. You know, maybe you go two weeks, three weeks, and you're like, Lord, I haven't done anything to invest in my walk with you. I haven't invested in prayer with you. I've distanced myself from you, God. And, or maybe I just haven't trusted you for something in my life that you've specifically told me to trust in you in. I, I think it's more than just a lapse in trust. I think it's something grander than that. And, you know, in our culture, if we're making a correlation with the idea of faithless, you know, I think sometimes we, we would make the correlation to maybe infidelity in a marriage, Possibly a spouse or a partner was unfaithful to us. Maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend wasn't faithful to the commitment of this relationship. Um, Making it bigger than that, maybe a friendship. Maybe a faithful friend who you've had for a long time all of a sudden stabbed you in the back. Maybe they took the trust that you'd invested in, they completely cut it off. You know, I want you to think about something. What do those feelings typically create in you when someone is faithless? You know, it, it creates hurt. It creates insecurity. It creates doubt in that relationship. So perhaps a faithless friend maybe was stabbing you in the back. Um, These things do create hurt within us. And I just, if we think about us being faithless in the midst of God being faithful, you know, I can't fathom being the creator of all, being Lord of Lords, crafting something, knowing the very heart of this thing, and then being rejected by this creation. You know, I, I think worldly, I can't fathom what that would look like. But going back to what I said at the very beginning, 
God in his amazing, infinite love has continued to love those and give those a chance who are actually faithless to him. He loves and gives a chance to the faithless. And I'm actually going to go through scripture and show you a couple examples where God has shown this. So I'm going to open up with a a pretty blatant one that we know about, our good friends Israel. Um, This is one that we typically think of as an example, right? And for those of you saying, okay, Nick, how did this nation just be this way? These were God's chosen people, friends. These were the people who were supposed to be the representatives of Yahweh on earth to show other nations his power, who he was, that he was the God and the Lord and the King of Kings. And we're going to go to Jeremiah 3, 11 through 14 to, to see essentially what the Lord said to Israel in their faithlessness to him. It says this, Then the Lord said to me, Even faithless Israel is less guilty than Judah. Therefore, go and give this message to Israel. This is what the Lord says. O Israel, my faithless people, come home to me again, for I am merciful. I will not be angry with you forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you've refused to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. Return home, you wayward children, says the Lord, for I am your master. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, one from this town and two from that family, from wherever you are scattered, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. He just likened these people to one who has committed adultery against him, to one who has completely been faithless. And do you listen to the way that God communicates to them? He says, I am merciful. I'll not be angry with you forever. Return home. Do you hear this restorative, this caring love that God has for this people who just committed a spiritual adultery by seeking other gods to fulfill things that only Yahweh could fulfill in the time, going after all of these other idols to, to be the thing that they cannot be, that only God could be for them. They were wayward, but God in his restorative nature, in his restorative love actually says, return home. I'm your master. I'll continue to provide for you. I will continue to take care of you because of his love for them. You know, other translations actually compare Israel to being a prostitute by the way that they looked for other gods and idols. But God, in their faithlessness, stayed faithful. God, in their faithlessness, stayed faithful. Here's another example for us, and this is Jesus. In Mark 6, verses 1 through 6, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, 
He couldn't do miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Amazed. So I don't know about you guys, but many of us have a, a positive mindset when we think about like our hometowns. Maybe some of you are like, no, I don't like it. But <laughs> for most of us, we have a positive thought with our hometown. Like most people in that town, they know our name. If you grew up in a small town like I did in a little spirit like Iowa, everyone knew who I was. Everyone knew what my parents' jobs were. There was a, there was a care for me because it's like, oh, he's a hometown kid. You know, he's a good kiddo. Um, there's a genuine care for who I was. And, you know, even if someday we go back, I know there's still going to be people in town who know who I am, know my name. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's little Nikki, because that's what I used to be called, Nikki. Um, didn't expect to share that with you today. Um, <laughs> um, but hear me out here. Jesus, he goes to his hometown. They completely reject this man. He would have been totally known growing up in this area. They would have known him. He goes to his own hometown to invest and love and serve the people in this area, and they reject him. They're faithless. And I think for many of you, you're like, what's the big deal that they're faithless in his hometown? I want to show he continued to be faithful on his missionary journey after that. One of the most discouraging experiences I could ever fathom, friends, going to your hometown, being utterly rejected by these people who are supposed to have your back, the pain of that. You know, and I know Jesus is perfect. I'm just trying to get us to understand in our humanly nature, that would really be hard. You know, to throw out another scenario for you. Do you remember Judas? Good old faithful Judas? <laughs> you know, he, Jesus knew every single thing Judas was going to do to him. And yet, still, Jesus brought him along on this ministry journey. He fed him. He provided for him. He invested in the relationship. He loved him. He cared about him. Jesus knew everything Judas was going to do and still loved him. Do you, do you have the comprehension that the first communion, the breaking of bread, was done with Judas just down the table? What an intimate moment. And God decided to allow Judas to be a part of that. True love. He loves even in others' faithlessness. And finally, friends, I, you know, we can't miss this. The running story of the whole Bible. <laughs> Jesus, God, being faithful in our faithlessness. Humanity was literally crafted, given everything in Eden, and the very first temptation, literally an apple, and we dropped fast. <laughs> In Apple, friends, I'm like, come on, swing and a miss, humanity. But it continues throughout Scripture. It doesn't just end with Adam. It continues. It goes to the New Testament. We put him on a cross. We literally put Jesus on a cross. He shows us compassion and love, and we put him on a cross. And it continues to now. Some of us are faithless. We make mistakes. But God is still faithful, so the reason I wanted to start off and elaborate on his faithfulness in the midst of faithlessness is I think that this text has a great word for us in regards to that character of God. So we're going to go back a little bit in 2 Timothy uh, verses 8 through 10. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach and because I preach this good news, I'm suffering, and I've been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation 
and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those who God's chosen. Friends, as I continue to grow as a man, as a husband, as a friend, as a son, in everything, everything I do in my life, I lay under the identity that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Everything I do has to go under that parameter that I'm a follower of Jesus first. So the decisions I make, the attitude I have, the things I serve, the, the way I live, it falls under the parameters of I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So if God says something, like if God lays out something in scripture about his character, I personally want to do every single thing I can in my power to try to be like him. I want to be like the character of God. I want to live like God lived. I want to, to be obedient to the things he lays out for us. So if God says, even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, I want to encompass that likeness. Like, how does that look, though? Like, and I think, actually, Paul encompassed this likeness well. And, you know, sometimes I think we wonder, well, how, Nick, can you, who are unfaithful, love the unfaithful? And I think we can see here, and we'll read in Scripture a little bit about how that's possible. But Paul encompasses so well here and throughout Scripture. So he says in 2 Timothy, I'm suffering, I've been chained, but the word of God can't be chained, but I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and glory in Christ Jesus. He was so faithful to continue to preach the word of God to people who continue to reject him and push him away. Lord and I recently went through the book of Acts together. We read it. We, we were like, you know what? We haven't gone through Acts together. Let's go through Acts. Um, and we just noticed in Paul's missionary journey the constant rejection the constant attitudes thrown against him. You look at the way that Festus treated him. You look at the way how he was constantly imprisoned and having to share his faith before the Jewish believers to understand that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment. They remained so faithless to him. They remained completely persecuting of him, but he remained faithful. He was so faithful. And do you notice his heart at the end of this text? This is something I want us to really encompass. I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Jesus. I'm willing to do anything, anything, even if they are faithless, friends. We are faithful. I believe that is love. I believe that's a beautiful element of love, but it's not a love that makes sense in our culture. It's not a love that we naturally see and we view it as love. We, we more so look at the rejection of the other person. We more so look at the hurt that the other person caused. But that is love to remain faithful in the midst of someone's faithlessness. That's love. I think, friends, about the story of the prodigal son. I think about how this young man took this beautiful inheritance that the father had prepared for him. He took this inheritance he ran off to a distant land and completely squandered it on wasteless things. After he squandered this inheritance that had been laid out for him, this gift, he returns home, probably filled with shame, essentially asks the father if he can be a laborer, if he can be a land worker for him. And in love, the father actually runs to embrace him, to care for him, to love him, to serve him, to welcome him home, to have a large celebration because he came home you see, I don't think the father ever truly stopped caring for the son. Even when the son was completely faithless to the father, 
took the inheritance, squandered it. The father didn't stop being who he was. He's a father. And the son didn't change his identity either. He was a son. So even though he made a faithless mistake, his identity was still the same. He was a son, and the father was still a father to him. So practically, you're like, Nick, what does this mean for my life? What are you talking about? (laughs) You remember at the beginning when it said, if we deny him, he will deny us. You know, friends, I I have a lot of people in my life who I met, who I've come across with, who have denied God as Lord, who've made the decision in their heart they don't want to follow God. They don't want to have faith in God. Whether it's for a reason that they've been rejected by him, they feel rejected by him. Maybe it's a reason that they feel hurt by him. Maybe they think he did something. They've just chosen to reject God. Friends, for those in my life who are currently denying God, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep telling them and showing them the love of God. Everything in my power to keep telling them and showing them the love of God. Because that's what my Savior did for me. That's what our Savior has done for us. You know, I think back to high school as I was this prideful kid walking through the halls of Camdenton and all the ways that people continued to try to reveal this love of Jesus Christ to me. You know, there were opportunities like Young Life, there's all these other ministries, there's so many churches in the area. All these people who tried telling me about this Savior who cared for me, and I was just uncomfortable with it. I just didn't want to talk about it. It felt awkward. But something changed in my heart as I kept seeing these people pursue me, even though I held them at arm's reach, was faithless to even the idea that there would be a God interest in me. And I kept pushing them away, but one day that changed. One day that changed. And that's exactly what our Savior did for Israel. They remained so faithless, but he kept giving them opportunities to turn to him. So if I can say something to you, if someone rejects you once, based on you giving them the opportunity to accept Christ as Lord, brush it off. Keep going. Man, I praise God he didn't stop once after we were faithless. It would have ended in the garden. That apple would have been the end of all of us, friends. But what did Paul say? I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite Christy to come up at this point for our worship closing. So this is Valentine's Day. The theme is love. I'm sure many of you weren't expecting to hear about faithless love on the midst of Valentine's Day. No, this is an attack on my wife. She's a very wonderful, faithful wife. (laughs) But friends, there is not a greater love you can show your friends by remaining faithful and invested in others, regardless of how you're being treated, Zach. It's not a greater love that you can show your friends that in the midst of their faithlessness, you remain steadfast you remain faithful. You remain true to your character. You remain true to the things that Jesus Christ has asked you to be in that relationship. I know this is so hard, you know, because we have pride. You know, maybe someone said something to us that was kind of upsetting. It, It deeply offended us. Maybe they made a statement about our Savior that deeply offended you, and you've just decided in your mind, well, that's it. I don't want to invest in that anymore. Maybe you're just trying getting tired of evangelizing. Maybe you're saying, this is just, this is really hard, Lord. The feeling of rejection's hard, but when it's you, Jesus, it hurts me even more. When someone rejects you, that hurts me even more. 
If I can encourage you in something, friend, God hasn't forgotten about the investment you're making. He sees every investment you're making in the kingdom. He sees it, and he's with us in the midst of that. We don't have to draw from our own strength. We have this living water that continues to be provided for us on a daily basis, the power of God. And if I can encourage you, he isn't unable to empathize with what you're going through. Hebrews 6.10 actually even says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. He's not turning a blind eye to your situation. It's hard. It's really hard. But keep going, friends. Keep going. Keep being faithful. For those of you who are here today and you're not empathizing with what I'm saying on the faithful part. Maybe you're actually sitting out there and you're saying, Nick, I'm, I'm kind of empathizing more with the faithless and the unfaithful. I haven't stayed true to God. I, I haven't even had faith in God. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I tell you something? God loves you so much. He loves you so, so much. And maybe there's a mistake in your life that you made at some point. Maybe you believe God's upset with you that he's too far from you, he's too distant from you because of what you've done. Maybe you feel like there just isn't hope for your situation. Notice what he says throughout the text. If we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. And I wanna tell you something, as I'm speaking to those who maybe feel that they empathize with more of the faithless right now. It's not a time for you to feel shame. This is a time for you to reach out to the restorative hand of God and grab on and commit your life to say, Jesus, I wanna keep going with this. I wanna be transformed by your power. I want your renewing work within me, God. He's a redeemer. He's almighty. He's the king of kings. He's faithful. He's our greatest example of love we can fathom. The greatest example of love we can fathom. I have something I want to read and then I'm going to pray in Psalms 118, 1-4. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, His faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat, His faithful love endures forever. And I want you guys to repeat this after me. Let all who fear the Lord repeat, His faithful love endures forever. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. The times in my life that I have been faithless are numerous, but God, you haven't stopped being faithful in those times. You've spoken out, challenged our hearts, God. You've challenged my heart, God, to not give up in my faith on you. You've challenged my friends here's hearts, God, to keep going even when they've been rejected by someone. I thank you, God, that we can draw from your strength. I thank you, God, that we can continue hope in you. There's always hope. God, for those who are faithless in our life, when we are, even if we are faithless in our life, God, help us to show faithfulness and help us to look to you as our example of faithfulness. We love you, Lord. You're always enough. Let's respond, friends.